Welcome to the Pursuing Perspective podcast in connection with the Warrior Project and sponsored in part by the Medjukos Health Institute. This podcast brings together people who actively pursue healing and growth on their journey and want to help others do the same. It is not just another bank of ideas from experts in their field, but is also a place that includes paths for practical application to shift both beliefs and behaviors for the purpose of progression. It's about knowing where you're at and how to get to where you want to be. Hello friends, I'm so happy that you're here. I am your host, Chantel Thaxton-Blake. This is episode 24, Victim to Victor, part one, the victim triangle and the roles we play. This is a topic that keeps coming up time and again, especially recently, so I feel like it's important for us to talk about right now. It's a valuable truth for us to recognize that we have with have both of these within us, both the victim and the victor. Experiences can trigger one or the other, but the bottom line is that the one that ultimately rises is largely dependent upon our choice in perspective and our conscious focused actions. Before I share some insights and strategies to help us move from victim to victor and get into more of the specific topic today, because this is this is a meaty topic. This is going to take more than one episode. We're going to do a few parts to this so that we can break it up, make it um, manageable and kind of digestible for us so that we can start to apply it. Because this is one of the most invaluable truths that I have come to in my journey that I have seen be so critical in others that I that I work with. Um, and so this is, this is something that I think we need to take time with and break it down a little bit, um, to kind of set the stage for all of this. I want to share a little bit about the background on the victim to victor show we created a couple of years ago. I think I've shared a little background here, um, about the warrior project and how that started in an effort for specifically I had one friend that was going through a really difficult divorce and a difficult time. And she just was feeling so defeated and lost. And I really wanted her to remember her strength. And I had been to an event um, that set us up to, it was like a warrior goddess party. And it was just being in that costume and talking about the warrior within was such a powerful experience. I wanted to replicate that um, for myself, but for those that I loved. And so we did this project um, where we took photos in full warrior gear. Because when we have those physical experiences, it just anchors it in a way for us that just talking about it does not. And so it became this really tangible thing that allowed us to tap into that victor within, that warrior within, to face what was in front of us. Um, the photographer that I asked was a dear friend um, and neighbor from our old neighborhood to do that photography. She was currently finishing up her schooling um, in in photography. And so when, she, when we went through this, she loved it so much, she wanted to make it part of her senior project. And she took it to the board. Um, they said, you know, that's great, but it's just more just warrior photos. And we really want it to tell a story and we want it to be more kind of what you want to pull out of it as the photographer. And so Jane came to me and in one of the posts that I had done on the Warrior Project, I had made this statement. We were not created to be victims. We are created to be um, victors, um, to be victorious. Wow, I totally just slaughtered that. <laughs> we were not created to be victims. We were created to be victorious. So that whole idea about moving from Victor to Victor was kind of the process that lit the fire for the Victim to Victor show. And what she decided to do is she took this back to him and said, I want to show specifically that transition from that time of going from victim to victor. 
And so um, those that had been involved in the Warrior Project and um, a couple others became involved in this where we specifically exemplified certain types of abuse and we took a bazillion photographs. We each person that um, that um, was representing a particular type, they we took just one session for that person and there was just so many photos and we started with in that state of being victim. What that felt like, connecting back into everything about that, what it felt like, what your thoughts were, um, so that your so that the body language replicated or represented that. And then it was like we changed the music. We started talking about what it's felt like to move out of that, to start to claim your power, to move to that victor within, what you were created for, and took the series of photos there. And then, so out of those hundreds of photos, the photographer, Jane Merritt, brilliant photographer, chose that one that represented kind of that transition where you're moving from victim to victor. And that show was so powerful. I ended up um, writing kind of the caption for those pictures. And even the wording was very intentional about just a couple of pieces on, you know, um, kind of how it started or what the intent was as a victim, but how to move out of it. Like the empowerment piece, that's what we wanted to focus on. And that's always been the focus of my work because sitting in that victim energy or blaming or complaining or sitting there, it just doesn't move us forward. And that's why... I'm very intentional about what we share here and that it's about how to move forward, whether we've experienced abuse or trauma or just adversity in life, that whole point of the rise theme that we started with, this is the intent to move us forward and to not get stuck um, in where we've been. So this was such a powerful show. We even, so we did this in 2017, I believe, a couple of years ago, three years ago now. Wow. And we did a, um, we ended up the next year um, having a book published with that, with those pictures and the caption. Um, and we do have those available on my website, pursuingperspective.org, um, or, or possibly available um, if, if that's something that would be interesting to you. Um, because it's really it ended up being pretty inspiring for everybody involved. It's definitely something those of us that participated in it is not something that we'll likely forget anytime soon. But what I want to share here is specifically how to do that, how to move from victim to victor. And it is possible. And no, it doesn't happen overnight and it's work, um, but it's it's absolutely doable. And I want to be cautious here. So there are experiences which, without question, to no fault of our own, we become victim to something or someone, and some very serious. And there's a lot to that. And and there's a time that we are in that state that that's where we need to be. It's about going through the grieving process, healing from those wounds, um, honoring and validating that experience. Moving from victim to victor is not about denying that we were a victim. It's about making the conscious choice not to stay one. And that's our point of empowerment is, is making that choice that no matter what happens to us, which so many things we can't control, that we find our point of control from that point on of how we recover, how we rise, how we move through that hero's journey that we've been talking about to overcome. So, you know, a lot of us, most of us, I don't think get out of this life without having an experience in, in where we're victimized on some level, because we all play this role we're going to talk about. 
Um, but even without specific experiences of victimization, we can move into the victim role simply because of our perspective of life happening to us and we have no control. And there's a lot of cognitive distortion, distortions that can play into us starting to come from a victim mentality or a victim mindset. Now, because we have, you know, everything, we've got the positive and negative, we do have the victim within us. And so often we don't realize how often we respond or react in life from the victim mindset. But because we have the victim mindset, we also have, we have the victim within us, but we also have the victor within us. And we have the choice of which one we can act from. That's the, the greatest gift in this life is our, um, our free will, our, our willingness or not our ability to choose. Um, and sometimes, you know, it's, it takes time and understanding and patience and all of those things. And it's okay. There's no judgment how long we stay within these roles, but it's hopeful to know that there is a way to move out of that, to move intentionally from victim to victor. And it's, it's a challenge to move out of it for lots of reasons. It's difficult, but not impossible. And one of the reasons why it's so difficult um, it was identified and explained by Dr. Cartman, um, who was, he designed, and he was in psychology and um, a psychologist in different roles that he had. Um, he was identified with, it's now called the, also referred to as the Cartman Triangle. He identified this dynamic model of social interaction and conflict that he eventually termed the drama triangle. Um, and this was a critical this has been this simple framework, this simple image, which will be in the notes because it's so powerful and important has been unreal as far as an empowerment point for me, but it's used all the time. And when people become aware of this therapists or those that work in that arena, because it's truly, we all play these roles. So he defined this, um, Basically, it's a connection between personal responsibility and power in conflicts. It's the destructive and shifting roles we play as people. The three roles in the conflict are this, persecutor and rescuer. So they're one-up positions and the victim. So if you look at the triangle, there's the two points at the top and then it goes down to the victim. Um, he placed it as an inverted triangle and referred to them as being three aspects or faces of drama. Um, he was interested in acting and was a member of the Screens Actors Guild, so he chose the term drama triangle rather than conflict triangle. Um, but now it's been referred to since as the victim triangle. I shared this in a few episodes back when I was talking about fight, flight, or freeze, um, but this is definitely like something that we could dive into on such an extensive level. And like I mentioned, because it's come up so much with those that I'm working with and just in my own life, um, I think, and just with the experiences we're having now, it's pertinent to talk about at a deeper dive. So it's a powerful image for us to get in mind. So if you can print those notes, look at that. And I want to dive into these roles because this is such a, what's interesting is because once we've experienced something, especially a very physical victimization, when we move into that victim role, we're kind of now already, that's our gateway into this triangle where we've had a persecutor, we might seek out a rescuer and we're going to continue to play in this triangle. What's interesting is that we're all going to play and move through all of these roles in our life. And as I describe these, it's going to help us un help us to kind of, this is what I needed to do to understand what was happening, to become aware, this is step one, to become aware that the victim triangle even exists and what's going on within it, 
to then be able to identify our role and how we honestly play all of those roles, even with ourselves, um, where we can be our own persecutor, our own rescuer by escaping and distracting. And we can go into victimization or become that victim because um, we're our own persecutor as well. And I'll talk a little bit more about that as we get into this. So let's talk about um, a little bit about these roles um, so that you can kind of start to understand how these play out because this was helpful for me to make this connection. So let's go to the victim role. The stance of the victim is poor me. Victims see themselves as victimized, oppressed, powerless, helpless, hopeless, dejected, and ashamed, and come across as super sensitive, wanting kid glove treatment from others. Now, before I go into this role, it's important to know. Cartman and others um, in the arena of, of psychology were not saying that this is specific behavior of an actual victim to a crime or abuse. Um, these are kind of a lighter version of, of kind of where we all can play in this role. Um, but we can stay in that space and start to come from this belief if, if we're not careful when we have experienced legitimate victimization of something. So know that we can all be victims or come from this. This is more of a mental state or a perspective than it is an actual experience. But we can get into it very quickly when we've had an experience of actual victimization. So the person in the victim role will look for a rescuer, a savior to save them. And if someone refuses or fails to do that, can quickly perceive them as now the persecutor. So in terms of derailing resilience, victims have real difficulties making decisions, solving problems, finding much pleasure in life or understanding their self-perpetuating behaviors. Really what happens is when is, is just an element of powerlessness that we are not capable of um, anything, really. Our own healing, our ability to make decisions, our ability to grow. And so we've become dependent upon a rescuer to do that for us. And so the stance of the rescuer is let me help you. Rescuers work hard to help and caretake other people and even need to help other people to feel good about themselves while neglecting their own needs or not taking responsibility for meeting their own needs. Rescuers are classically codependent and enablers. They need victims to help and often can't allow the victims to succeed or get better. They can use guilt to keep their victims dependent and feel guilty themselves if they're not rescuing somebody. It's so interesting as I looked at this, it was so easy for me to identify one of the roles that I had experienced, but I recognized how quickly I play through all of these roles, including the rescuer. I think that started early with my mom's illness, that I wanted to rescue her and take care of her. And so I became very much about, and that that's how I earned my value. And so I needed to do that. So I've had to really look at my intent and reason behind things to make sure that I was coming from a healthy space to empower others and not needing them to stay dependent because I needed that to make me feel better. Um, in terms of derailing resilience, rescuers are frequently harried, overworked, tired, caught in a martyr style while resentment festers underneath. Holy cow, that was a big one for me. I think a lot of times, and I've talked about it because I know that I've experienced the glorifying of the martyr from a lot of different aspects in my life, and I think I've resented that. There was something revered about being the martyr and working yourself to death and sacrificing and and that's not a super effective approach. And it's, it's not, it, it lands us actually in the victim mode eventually anyway. In fact, all of these, those persecutor and um, the rescuer end up in the victim mode. We all do at some point. 
um, both of those roles are actually victim to being part of the triangle and just we become victimized just by playing in the triangle. So persecutors, the stance of the persecutor is it's all your fault. Persecutors criticize and blame the victim, set strict limits, can be controlling, rigid, authoritative, angry, and unpleasant. They keep the victim feeling oppressed through threats and bullying. In terms of resilience, persecutors can't bend, can't be flexible, can't be vulnerable, can't be human. They fear the risk of being a victim themselves. Persecutors yell and criticize, but they don't actually solve any problems or help anyone else solve the problem. So it was a major awakening for me to realize these roles and have experienced them. And yes, these are extreme examples, but you can see how often milder versions of these roles and the games played between them show up in real life. There's a woman that I found, Linda Graham, who wrote a lot about this. She's a marriage and family therapist, and this is what she um, said. I love how she put this. She said, what gives the drama triangle much of its power and significance is the recognition that people will switch roles and cycle through all the roles without get ever getting out of the triangle. Victims depend on a savior. Rescuers yearn for a basket case. Persecutors need a scapegoat. The trap is people are acting out these roles to meet personal, often unconscious needs, rather than being able to see the picture as a whole and take responsibility for their part in keeping the triangle going. When I first understood that it, this, it was like a holy crap moment. <laughs> holy crap, I've been playing this. Oh my goodness, I see how I'm playing these roles and how I've moved in and out of those. Um, and even though I realized that I had indeed been victimized, I now had a role in keeping that triangle going. And part of that's because once we have moved into that role of victim, there can become, it can be scary to get out of once we've been, it can be really hard to get out of that victim mindset. And so we will keep seeking out, mostly unconsciously, persecutors and rescuers in our life to keep playing that role. And yet, ironically, we'll keep moving through all of those roles. And one of the things that we can do is we can even play all of those roles with ourselves. For example, we can persecute ourselves like saying, you know, if we forgot to do something, oh, you're such an idiot, you should have da 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 These are some of the things that I talked about in cognitive distortions that we're going to kind of cycle back to, where we beat ourselves up and shame ourselves. And so we start to feel that shame and guilt. And then we go from persecutor to victim. Oh yeah, that might be true. I'm a terrible person. And then we start to feel so awful with that shame, um, with that angst, that then we move into our rescuer role. And usually how we rescue is usually from an unhealthy place where we either distract or escape or avoid, numb ourselves out, rather than you know sitting with those feelings, recognizing that they're, you know, you know, they are our feelings and they're a true feeling, but they're based on a cognitive distortion or based on a, on us beating ourselves up that was unnecessary. And we don't work through those. We don't come from an empowered place. When we get into that victim role, we want role, we want to escape rather than face. And that goes back to the episode that I talked about where when we get into stressful situations, we think of those responses initially as, you know, um, fight, flight, and then freeze if we can't do either of those things. But that fourth option that was identified is face, that we can face it when we're willing to sit with those feelings and we have the tools to do that. And that's the, those are some of the things we want to talk about today are those tools. So Lynn Forrest is one that her work on the, on the victim triangle is brilliant. She actually, she's a reality um, guide. She refers herself as a reality guide and personal growth mentor. She started out in the mental health field in the early seventies and then has focused on this work starting in the early eighties. 
She believes that every dysfunctional interaction in relationship with other or self takes place in the victim triangle. And honestly, the more I understand this and experience it, I would agree. But until we become conscious of these dynamics, we cannot transform them. And unless we transform them, we cannot move forward on our journey towards reclaiming emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being. She is one that has intentionally pointed out why Cartman placed these three roles on an inverted triangle and described them as being the three aspects of or faces of the victim, like I mentioned earlier, because no matter where we start out on that triangle, victim is where we end up. Um, that was just critical. If we're in the triangle, we're living as victims. And so it's like, this was the light bulb moment for me that when I moved out of playing those roles or seeking those roles to be played or that I was, that's when I came into the element of victor. I had overcome this. I was stepping out of that. I was able to move to that point of empowerment. So um, Lynn Forrest also identified what we call our starting gate position. So even though we'll play all the roles, we have a starting gate position that's most often where we enter the triangle. So if we started, how we entered the triangle was either as a victim or as a persecutor or as a rescuer. So when we think about that, and I'll talk a little bit more um, deeply about those, what those roles are to kind of see how you entered that triangle, that what we call, what she identifies as the starting gate position will be the role through which we actually define ourselves it becomes a strong part of our identity. So again, you think about if it becomes part of our identity, even if we know it's toxic, it's going to be really hard to change because that's part of us. And so there's going to be all sorts of reasons why we want to just dig our heels in, you know, um, subconsciously, our ego self, whatever you connect to, that's going to lock that in for us and we can't move out of it. So each starting gate position has its own particular way of seeing and reacting to the world. We all have unconscious core beliefs acquired in childhood, derived from, we've talked about those unconscious core beliefs acquired in our childhood. I talked about it in that um, episode on beliefs that these drive, these create our reality. Um, they, they, they're derived from our interpretation of the world at that time, and they become our life themes that predispose us towards the unconscious selection of a particular starting gate position on the triangle. So we'll keep just playing that out. If we are unconscious of the triangle, we reenact these painful life themes that reinforce old painful beliefs that keep us stuck in a limited version of reality. So let me share a little bit more about these roles so that we can better identify them in our lives. Um, This was kind of helpful for me. This is from Lynn Forrest as well to talk a little bit more about these roles and what they do. So the victim, it's only when we become convinced that we can't take care of ourselves that we move into victim, believing that we are frail, powerless, or defective. Think about that, or defective, like we're broken or something wrong with us, we're not enough. Keeps us needing rescue. Anxiety forces us to be always on the lookout for someone stronger or more capable to take care of us. This relegates us to a lifetime of crippling dependency in our primary relationships. Victims deny both their problem-solving abilities and their potential for self-generated power. This doesn't prevent them from feeling highly resentful towards those on whom they depend. As much as they insist on being taken care of by their primary rescuers, they nonetheless do not appreciate being reminded of their inadequacy. Crazy, right? I remember that, being resentful. Like, it's like I wanted to be rescued, but then resentful, because then it just reinforced that I was not capable. Really, like, as we're going to find out, the only way out of all of these roles is self-accountability and responsibility that we are the ones to pull us out of that, including out of that victim mentality. 
The rescuer is the classic codependent, enabling, overprotective, the one who wants to fix it. Taking care of others may be the rescuer's best game plan for getting to feel worthwhile. There's no better way to feel important than to be a savior. Rescuers often gain satisfaction by identifying with their caretaking role. They are generally proud of what helpers and fixers they are. Often they are socially acclaimed, even rewarded for what has been seen as selfless acts of caring. They believe in their goodness as chief caretakers and see themselves as heroes. Behind it all is this magical belief. If I take care of them long enough, then sooner or later they will take care of me too. Common phrases for the martyred rescue are, after all I've done for you, this is the thanks I get, no matter how much I do, it's never enough, or if you love me, you wouldn't treat me like this. The rescuer's greatest fear is that they will end up alone. They believe that their total value comes from how much they do for others. It's difficult for them to see their worth beyond what they have to offer in the way of stuff or service. They believe, if you need me, you won't leave me. They scramble to make themselves indispensable in order to avoid abandonment. Wow. Yeah, just let that one sit for a minute. I think we've all played that role. And, and because when we get in the victim role, one of the ways we try to make ourselves feel empowered is actually rescue, is that we will try to move ourselves out of the victim role into rescuer to... Um, become empowered and there were times in when we're playing that um, triangle out that we will even rescue our persecutor it's really interesting how we will play within this triangle um, based on our needs and beliefs and 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 all in an attempt to really kind of move out of that triangle while missing the main way to get out of that triangle let's talk about the persecutor last the persecutor is actually shame based this role is most often taken on by someone who received overt mental and or physical abuse during their childhood as a result, they are often secretly seething inside from a shame-based wrath that ends up running their lives. They may choose to emulate their primary childhood abusers, preferring to identify with those they see as having power and strength, rather than becoming the picked-on loser at the bottom of life's pile. Persecutors tend to adopt an attitude that says the world is hard and mean, only the ruthless will survive, so I'll be one of those. The persecutor overcomes feelings of helplessness and shame by overpowering others. Domination becomes their most prevalent style of interaction. This means that they must always be right. Their methods, including bullying, um, include bullying, preaching, threatening, blaming, lecturing, interrogating, and outright attack. The persecutor needs someone to blame. They deny their vulnerability in the same way rescuers deny their needs. Their greatest fear is powerlessness. Because they judge and deny their own inadequacy, fear, and vulnerability, they will need someone or excuse me, someplace else to project these disowned feelings. In other words, they need a victim. It is most difficult for someone in the persecutor role to take responsibility for the way they hurt others. In their mind, others deserve what they get. The war these warring individuals tend to see themselves as having a constant, have to constantly fight for survival. There's a constant struggle to protect themselves in what they perceive as a hostile world. So I want to just give a little more background on those um, if you look up Lynn Forrest, L-Y-N-N-E, and then Forrest, um, her work on this is just brilliant. And this is where I pulled a lot of just this. She was really able to articulate the, the key aspects of these roles, um, the beliefs, um, how, where they start from, and, and the behaviors and, and things that are involved within those roles. It Understanding why the persecutor shows up like they do was a big part of my healing um, and I've said this before, you know, you think about if they grew up very shame-based, never feeling enough, like they had no control, 
um, and they're angry for that, you know, I mean, it makes sense where their whole life becomes about controlling and about projecting that shame on someone else, a place to, um, as they said, you know, project that out somewhere else for that to land. It doesn't excuse the behavior, but it explains the behavior and allows us to see, um, you know, what's really happening um, a little bit. So what's interesting is, you know, there, there is a way out of these, out of these roles. Um, and Lynn talks about this, um, all of them, self-accountability is, is the only way for all of them being responsible for ourselves. So for a victim, it's being responsible for ourselves and initiate self-care rather than look outside of ourselves for a savior. We must challenge our ingrained beliefs that we can't take care of ourselves and that we are able to escape the triangle. We have to stop seeing ourselves as powerless and acknowledge that we have the ability to solve the problems in front of us, to move forward and move ourselves from victim to victor. There's no other way, no other way to get out of this triangle. And I talked about this before too, to go out of learned helplessness, than take responsibility for our own feelings thoughts and reactions, which is why I've talked about this so much because it is the way, it is the way to move from victim to victor, to take responsibility for our own healing, to understand that our thoughts, our responsibility, our feelings, our responsibility, our reactions, our responsibility. Even when something has been done to us, all of that we own. And why that can be overwhelming at first, it becomes incredibly empowering when we understand what that, what that opens up to us. The rescuer also has to be accountable. They have to recognize their needs to save and rescue as to, to make them valid. Um, but to also start to recognize that they are disabling those that they serve rather than empowering them because an authentic helper will act without expectation of reciprocation. But because a rescuer comes in it from a really needy, unhealed place, they will, you know, they will promote dependency rather than self responsibility with the victim. So true supporters believe that the other can handle their own business. And, and so it's about the rescuer or if we have, when we play that role and rest, realize that, that we have unhealed needs within us, um, unconscious beliefs that we have to save to be enough, um, and how that can land us in the martyr role and all the ways that those negatively play out in our lives. Self-accountability is also the only way off the grid for the persecutor. There has to be some kind of break for, breakthrough for them to own their part. But because there's a great, persecutors are the hardest one to come out of because it is so painful for them because they have so much shame and guilt because of what they experienced in their childhood that then when they start to take responsibility, that shame and guilt triggers that shame and guilt from their childhood and it becomes so heavy, they just shut down. They just shut down. They feel like they're getting blamed in a way and they don't know what to do with it and they just they just go back to those old cycles. And I will say I've seen that be such a difficult thing for people to move out of, if at all. And it has to be done with a lot of self-compassion and a lot of grace and a lot of just a recognition for why that behavior is happening without judgment. Or there's no way the persecutor is ever going to come out of that role. But because it is so painful, very few will accept the responsibility and take self-accountability to do that, which is why they continue to play out that role. And that's why we have to make decisions. You know, if that person is not going to move out of that role, if they're not willing to take responsibility, we don't need to keep saying they're victim. 
they're going to have to to work that out somewhere else and hopefully not on someone else. Hopefully they'll figure that out. But if we do our own healing, if we're in the victim role, then we don't need to have others keep playing that part. But if you think about the fact that we can even play those roles within ourselves, that we can be our own persecutor and our own rescuer, usually in an unhealthy way, and we victimize ourselves, and we can get in that victim mindset of, oh, I'm a terrible person, I'm awful. Um, if we keep playing that, so within as without, um, what we create internally is what gets manifested in our outer world. And it's why we'll continue to play that in the physical sense because we were playing that internally. And so the first place always is to look at how we're doing this internally. I've talked about this in several episodes on thoughts, beliefs, and behaviors. We've got to look internally to see how we're playing out this victim triangle with ourself and then the roles that we're playing in our physical world and what we're allowing, what we're participating in. There's so many games that get played of manipulation to maintain people in the roles that we need them to be in. So often we need someone to stay the persecutor because we're afraid it's going to invalidate our experience as the victim. And that just keeps us in the victim role. It's, it's about understanding that just because we move from victim to victor, it does not invalidate our experience. And that was very, very hard for me to get to. And honestly, times I still have to work through. Um, but I want to allow everyone the opportunity in this triangle to grow and move out of those roles. And I don't want to be the reason I keep sticking them back in a certain role. And that comes from me taking responsibility for my part and wanting to intentionally move out of that triangle to stop playing those games. And that's what anybody in this, in the, um, the arena of mental health and psychology and all of that, that are aware of this triangle and work with this triangle, that it is all coming back to our awareness of it and our willingness to acknowledge it and be responsible for it. So here's the ways out of it. And we're going to be exploring this over the next few episodes. So the way out of these roles, step one is awareness and acknowledgement. Okay. So self-accountability, again, the only way out of the grid from any of the roles. And in order to move forward, we must take responsibility for our roles in the triangle and how we participate in those games. Step two is to consciously choose to stop participating in the triangle to make a choice for change. So part of that I'm going to talk about is one of the things that I'm going to suggest for the lessons this week is that it's not just as easy as being like, oh yeah, that's toxic. I'm not going to do that anymore. Because if it was that easy, we'd all change all the toxic stuff we do like immediately. There's a lot that goes on there. First of all, we wouldn't do it if there wasn't a payoff. There's a reason we're doing that, whether it's to maintain what we believe about ourselves or what we need other people to be, the story that we've created. We want everyone to stay the same characters rather than let them change within the, the storyline. You know, it's there's lots of reasons why we do that. Fear of change, fear of losing our identity. If we really identify with that, even if it's negative, there's so many things that fear is usually what locks it into place. And then behavior is a real thing. Behavior patterns, which we're going to talk about. Again, we, it takes a while to change behaviors and these have become unconscious. Those are even harder to change. So it's going to take time. It's going to take time. So, but to step one, we've got to decide our why. Do we want to change this? Where do we want to land with it? And what does that look like to make a goal? You know what? I do not want to keep playing these triangles. There are these roles in the triangle with myself, with others. I want to, if I want to help others, I don't want to do it from a rescuer needy place. Um, I do not want to persecute myself for others anymore. That is not productive. And I do not want to be a victim. 
That is not what I was created for. That is not the focus that I want to come from, that life is happening to me, that I'm powerless, that I can only react rather than intentionally respond. Those are things that we're going to talk about as we dive into how to specifically move out of each of these. Step three then is critical. So step two, consciously choose to stop participating in that triangle and make a choice for change. Step three is understanding the cognitive distortions, the unhealthy beliefs, and the needy energy driving the unconscious playing of these roles. This is something that we're going to start breaking down in the next couple of episodes because we really have to dive into that if we're going to start to make this pivot, to start to make this shift. Step four is to begin challenging those cognitive distortions and beliefs and changing them and um, transcovering that needy energy. We're going to talk a little bit about that as well. Step five is to practice as we start to implement and change and bring in more positive thoughts, more healthy beliefs and behaviors that we need to practice those. Because when we go unconscious, when we go into fight, flight, or freeze, when we go into the stressful situation, we go back to what is automatic, what is unconscious. So we're going to have to intentionally and consciously practice those new responses and it will take time and we're going to have ups and downs and that's okay, but we're going to make some conscious action to practice those so that when the stress comes, those are now behaviors that we will be able to access rather than those unconscious negative ones that have driven us and kept us in the victim role largely for so long. So I want you to start this week by just becoming an observer, not a judger, an observer without judgment and identify, start to look around. Do you see these roles being played out by people in your life? And then even though it's the hardest, very much look internally do you play these roles? What does this look like? Um, what roles have you played? What role, because you're going to be going in and out of, we can go in and out of these roles in a matter of minutes in a situation. So then I want you to start looking at what are the negative consequences of maintaining those roles, particularly the victim role? And what are the benefits? See if you can identify why you do that. Why, what might be the payoff? Because as I mentioned, there will be a payoff. And then we're going to dive into these Um, into steps three and four in the next few episodes. But right now to start looking at now, hopefully if you haven't been aware of the victim triangle before, now you are. That's step one and acknowledge that it exists because you're going to, you will not be able to deny it anymore once you're aware of it. You will see it everywhere, including and primarily with yourself and then deciding if, yeah, I want to change this. I want to move out of this because this is the first step from moving from victim to victor. It's not something that happens overnight or is covered in one podcast. That's why it's going to be a focus for a few episodes because it's such a critical concept though that can change our entire life experience if we move through this. So as a lesson summary, one, so with a lesson summary from, from this part of my hero's journey of moving from victim to victor, the first and main lesson is to recognize that we all have both a victim and a victor inside of us. At one time or another, we have all reacted to life as a victim. So, but because we have that victim, we also have that victor. So it's possible for us to move into that role and to change that. The second thing, we must become aware of the victim triangle and the roles we play within it. That's going to be important for us on this journey to be able to move out of it. And then the biggest thing that I learned in the lesson is that we need to decide if this is something we want to change um, as that first step and then start taking those action steps to make that change. So I'm excited to explore this with you. I know that sounds, 
might be like a weird adjective to use and something that can feel so heavy and overwhelming and maybe like, oh, yuck, I can't believe how much this is going on and how do I move out of this and I don't even know what to do with this. I mean, you think about the perspective people are even having right now in the current situation we're in. Some of us are coming from a victim energy and some are coming from that observer or and even into that victor energy where it's like, this is happening for me. Um, what lessons can I learn from this? How can I grow? It will. We're all experiencing the same pandemic, but we're experiencing it differently solely based on our perspective, whether we're coming from victim or victor. That's why I'm so excited about this because that is true for everything in this life. Two people can have the same experience and if they're coming from those different roles or particularly that victim, they're going to experience it much differently without hope, with complete powerlessness than the person who shows up with the victor mentality of this is happening for me. How can I learn this? How can I respond? Um, and why I'm excited to talk about this because this was the biggest game changer on my journey um, in moving to this. And I still work through all of these stages. I am by no means completely out of the triangle, but my awareness and my work in it has dramatically changed my experience. So yes, I'm excited to continue to explore this with you. And I'm hopeful that this is exciting for you too, if you're not aware of this, because I promise you this will be a game changer for you. I appreciate you all so much for being here, for listening and for sharing. And if you're loving what you're hearing, I ask that you would, you know, leave a review or a rating because that helps bring it up in awareness and get it to more people. Um, I appreciate that. And because I, I know that people have reached out to me and, and um, said this has been helpful and I'm so grateful for that. And so I want it to be out there for more people. Thank you for your work. Thank you for showing up. I so look forward to connecting with you on this journey of healing and growth as we pursue perspective and progression. Until next time. Thank you for joining us today. For more podcasts and information on events, visit pursuingperspective.org.